0: This is our podcast about politics, Christianity, culture, media, and more. And today we are talking about another hot topic. Yes, you'll see a trend. Everything we talk about is a hot topic, (laughs) Um, but this is very contentious and it is vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates. Taylor, tell us what has happened.
1: Well, I think we talked about antitrust. I don't know if that's hot. But anyway, (laughs) occasionally we dabble in cold topics. (laughs) The vaccine mandate. So, I mean, it's like there's a big topic of vaccine mandates from the government, private entities. I think the hook. So we'll talk about all that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. But I guess the news hook was earlier this month, September 10th, I believe it was, President Biden issuing a vaccine mandate for federal employees and then a vaccine mandate for companies that employed over a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's much consternation about this, the federal employee part from what I've read of analysis. Well, first of all, I was reading it September 10th, which felt like a forever ago, <laughs> <September's> <laughs> right. been, it's been kind of a long month. Maybe it's just us. But uh, the federal employee part, I've read from different uh, experts, it's a little more defensible because it's essentially it's like a private organization, a private company mandating vaccines for its employees. What's much more controversial and on pretty shaky ground, in my opinion, is the mandate for private companies that employ over 100 people. He's doing it through... Department of Labor, OSHA, requirements. It's the Occupational Safety Hazard Hazard. Act. (laughs) (laughs) Just like OSHA. People just say OSHA. OSHA, Everyone knows what OSHA OSHA is. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Those
0: posters you have in your workplace about safety are from OSHA.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, And they did it under a provision that's only been... deployed 10 times the Hmm. emergency temporary standard Hmm. provision. It's been challenged in court six times and courts have basically deemed it illegal five of those times. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So once again, kind of like what Biden was saying with the eviction moratorium where people there's this quote where you know someone in the press asked him is this constitutional he says it doesn't really matter we'll get we'll do as much as we can until hmm. the courts overturn it
0: so you think it's more of like a messaging thing like Probably. he knows it's not going to stand I
1: mean how how could they given just like the terrible track record here um,
0: right so what is the i don't know if you know this what's the penalty so if you're an employee at a big company and you don't comply with this is it paying a fine?
1: I think I think there's maybe a fine it's maybe unclear. I think I don't know if we've hit the, the date yet when companies have to comply and I'm sure this will be challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, someone we know co-authored in a Wall Street journal op-ed about how this is illegal and unconstitutional, at least the private company provision of the Biden vaccine mandate. So, remains to be seen. Hmm. It's working out. But so maybe we can talk about the different parts here. This, there's some history of vaccine mandates, which yes, here I'm you are dying can... to talk about. Yes.
0: <laughs> I uh, <laughs> In last weekend's we're talking a lot about the Wall Street Journal, aren't we? Hoity toity. Um, uh, yeah. Last weekend's Wall Street Journal, there was a really good um, kind of summation of vaccine mandate history Hmm. and it really fascinated me. Um did I say fascinating like three times just then? Um fascination all the way down. All the way down. So I'm I'm pulling out from the article kind of three different stories of vaccine mandates that I think will help us sift through this. Hmm. So this kind of history in America. Okay. So first, right at the very beginning of our history, the Revolutionary War, George Washington forcibly immunized his troops against smallpox. So even against some of their wills, huh. um, he had had smallpox, so he knew it was a terrible disease. It, um, it, it was very, very deadly. It killed about a third of those that had infected. And then, you know, survivors yeah. have marks, and, you know, it was very visible. um, he Washington described smallpox to Virginia Governor Patrick Henry as more destructive to an army in a natural way than the enemy's sword, so mm. he saw it as a clear threat to success in the war. Yeah, um, it it made yeah some of his battles kind of doomed if you know he's going to lose a big chunk of his army. Mm-hmm. So in 1777, Washington ordered his troops to be. It's actually, it was called variolated. It wasn't uh, technically huh. immunized back then. They didn't have a uh, vaccine, so right. to speak. It was, I'm not going to describe it. It's really gross how they. No, uh, it's fascinating. Well, you want to say it?
1: To me. I think they depicted in the John Adams HBO series. Mm-hmm. And because Adams had his family inoculated. They basically take pus from the smallpox, pustules, put on a string cut open a piece of the healthy person's skin and then put that like basically set that pus soaked string in the sliced skin of the healthy person and it's basically what you know what dead virus vaccines do but much more crudely <laughs> and invasively
0: <laughs> and you know more germs and
1: yeah so people get a they're... mild case of smallpox essentially like, and then they're
0: immune for life right right um, so yeah, much much less safe than today's vaccines. Right. But it's all they had. I'm glad
1: we have moved on.
0: <laughs> and it ended up being a brilliant move for Washington because smallpox smallpox largely disappeared from the ranks. Wow. Yeah. So that was the American founding. And then this is interesting from a Supreme Court perspective and kind of precedent. So Um, In 1905, there's a Mm. Supreme Court case, Jacobson versus Massachusetts. The Jacobson
1: case. You see this deployed a lot in the analysis of vaccine Mm -hmm.
0: mandates. So this Lutheran pastor in Massachusetts, he said no to his city ordinance requiring, yet again, a smallpox vaccine. Um, Those who resisted the vaccine faced a five dollar fine, and he said, "No, I'm not going to pay that. I am a perfectly healthy individual." I do not need this. And back then, um, vaccines did not go through an FDA approval. (laughs) They had a lot more germs. There were a lot more risks. um, Because back then, people didn't really even know that much about germs. So, in a lot of these vaccines, there actually was a lot of like dangerous materials. There wasn't quality control and whatnot. Um, And so, yeah, he, he said, I'm healthy and law abiding. I don't want to do this. He uh, was overturned uh, Supreme Court ruled against him. And huh. Justice John Marshall Harlan uh, wrote that in the majority opinion, the liberty secured by the Constitution does not import an absolute right in each person to be at all times and in all circumstances wholly freed from restraint so quite the i can't talk tonight quite the contrary the constitution rests upon the fundamental principle of the social compact that all shall be governed by certain laws for the protection safety prosperity and happiness of the people and not for the profit honor or private interests of any one man family or class of men so you know some of us libertarians might take issue with that and it ended up that this ruling actually Did have a very um, negative consequence down the road on this podcast. We've Uh, actually already talked about the Supreme Court case. So in 1927, um, 22 years after this vaccine mandate case, there was the case called Buck versus Bell. uh And this is um, when the Constitution, or when the Constitution, when the Supreme Court ruled that it was constitutional to forcibly sterilize people with disabilities yikes and in that case naming the jacobson case as a precedent Uh, um old justice oliver wendell holmes jr said the principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes wow yikes wow so it goes to show that that maybe was not the best precedent-setting case wow um
1: what's the third thing?
0: So the third is actually a case more recently 1991 Philadelphia there was a, a religious community that said we are not going to do any modern medicine. Period. We're not going to hospitals, we're not getting any medicine. Uh God's medicine is good enough. Huh? And so they did not uh, vaccinate their children, and a large number of their children got measles. Hmm. Didn't take them to the hospital, and basically these kids just died at home. Wow! In this kind of uh, population in Philadelphia, so all of these children are dying. City officials um, move forcefully to contain uh, the the contagion that was going on, and working through the courts, they won access to the homes of these congregants, and they forcibly vaccinated the children against the wishes of the parents. Oh, wow. Um, nobody wanted to represent these parents in what a lot of people viewed as child abuse, so this huh. wasn't even challenged, okay. um, ultimately, because it was thought like, oh, these this is child abuse in a way, and uh-huh. um, not even like the ACLU wanted to represent these parents in this case, so it wasn't even challenged. So, wow. Those are three cases that kind of demonstrates that these are not cut and dry. <laughs> it it's it can be a difficult question.
1: Well, I think that's why there's no like, vaccine mandate the phrase is thrown around, but it it depends. <laughs> like it, you know, it depends on what you what people mean by that. So that's probably like the next follow up like George Washington case uh whatever the phrase was for
0: Variolated,
1: Variolating his soldiers. So they're in the army. It's a distinct group of people, right? I think now what uh, service members are required to be vaccinated by a certain date. Uh, The Jacobson case, the common critique or you know people bandied about as a thing nowadays with this Biden move, but it was local authorities, Mm -hmm. but state and local authorities, right? uh, As opposed to federal government mandate Mm -hmm. uh which you know from what i've read too like you know as we all well local authorities and state authorities have different authorities than uh legal authorities than a federal government
0: right your individual bill of rights tramples the state's authority by the way so you know a city or a state doesn't have unlimited authority over you the individual you still have your bill of rights
1: true True.
0: Like that, that's why you as an individual can take a course up a case up to the Supreme Court and challenge something in a state mm-hmm. is yep. doing.
1: Yep. And the Philadelphia case, again, I, is a local authority. So, I, and for me, in my, for my opinion, there's a big difference between a government mandated uh, vaccine versus private organizations. Like, even just reading about for ahead of this podcast someone made a good point companies imp- so the the common refrain is you know vaccine mandates infringe personal liberty individual liberty and freedom well private companies do that routinely with other requirements in the workplace like mm. you have to show up to work like that's an infringement on my liberty i mean i have a liberty to go somewhere else not work at starbucks instead i can work at a place where i don't have to show up at work there are maybe fewer of those options, but uh, like this happens pretty routinely, and I think a private company is within its rights, for the sake of its safety of employees, in particular, in particular, to require vaccination for employment, right. as they do require certain other, you know, factors yeah. like mm-hmm. requiring you know to show up at work or maybe uniform standards or something like that.
0: And I mean. I don't know this might be a stretch but would we put this in the same category as like hobby lobby is not required to provide insurance that covers abortions right they as a company are not right mandated Maybe. it's a different kind you know yeah i mean it's, it's forcibly it's, doing something versus not doing something i guess
1: right government is the government requiring it um
0: but let's say the government did require something that, like covering abortion in your company uh-huh. health insurance plan. Um, the government requires that, but you as a business can say no.
1: I guess the Supreme Court said you can say no, right? Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's like what the, I, I'm saying. Like businesses do have that.
1: True. True. And I guess that remains to be seen on this in this case so it's one thing is a vaccine mandated by the company i think that's a little easier to decipher in my opinion if it's mandated by the government for companies to do it or for say a citizen to like you know exist or walk around Mm -hmm. that's a lot trickier i mean you see with this biden thing like they're reaching for this obscure portion of labor law to require companies to vaccinate I guess to require to require companies to vaccinate employees. Right. Um, You know, private institutions, universities, schools, um, versus, I guess, you know, public institutions, public universities, public schools. Mm -hmm. It's a different thing. I guess, you know, what public schools do have vaccination requirements for kids?
0: Right, right. You can get a, a religious exemption.
1: Okay. So... I think it, you know, it depends. <laughs> and the history you, you cited is, is good and interesting because it's not like our history is without.
0: It's not like this is the mandates. first time yes. we this has come up.
1: Yeah. 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 And I mean, in a, in a sense, because it's thanks to vaccines, virulent diseases, especially ones that are deadly like smallpox. Yeah. A third of it's like crazy how many people were right. killed by smallpox. Um, They've mostly eradicated those diseases, so we don't Mm -hmm. have to deal with this day to day. (laughs) As often as we used to.
0: Right. Yeah, it's um, not that long ago, yet long enough ago that we don't remember. Yeah.
1: Is there a Christian response?
0: That's what I think we should transition to. So how should Christians think about this? Um, There was a really good, thought-provoking article from uh, an Anglican priest, Tish Warren Harrison. Um, Oh, yeah. And she brings up the book of Galatians, which has a long treatise on freedom and what Christians should think about freedom. And um, in Galatians, Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. But the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself Hmm. so it gets to this um and she talks about this in the article in american culture we are very much bought in on both sides of the spectrum actually to um this idea of negative liberty so um this is kind of the the autonomy of individuals to do what they want and personal choice is kind of the essence of liberty um, and, you know, on the left, you see this as kind of your, um, civil rights absolutists and your, um, you know, sexual freedom absolutists. And then on the right, you know, you see this in more of your, um, hmm. everything from gun freedom to economic freedom and that kind of thing. Um, so you see this on both sides of the aisle in kind of American political culture manifesting in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christians, however, <laughs> are called to make personal decisions that don't fit neatly in those political buckets. Oh, uh, an easy answer here. Come I know. <laughs> um, we don't have absolute personal freedom. <laughs> we, have, huh. we have been set free, like the book of Galatians, but that freedom has to be stewarded. Interesting. Uh, what do you think, Taylor. You might have written a book chapter that talks a lot about this.
1: Oh, oh, oh. Uh, cool it. You don't have to be libertine to be a libertarian. Was that what the title was? I would
0: hope you remember.
1: It's amazing how much I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good point. And I think maybe it goes with uh, one other thought, just vaccine mandates and liberty. It's uh, this calculation. Like, it's not just about me, Taylor. Right. Or you, Rachel, like when we're dealing with a virus, it's there are n- external effects. I could be carrying it. I could be infected with it. And every additional vaccinated person helps lower the overall rate of infection, rates of mutation, uh, fewer people crowding yep. intensive care units for others who are in car accidents, heart attacks, brain damage, strokes. Right. Yeah. Um, So I think that's his ramifications beyond just us.
0: Exactly. And I think, so this goes beyond just this issue, but applies to this issue specifically. Um, I think as a Christian, you can say both at the same time, one, the government should not be in the business of, mandating these vaccines. I mean, again, we look at that history we talked about. Yeah. And, you know, it led to cases of forced sterilization, yeah, that and... precedent of, you know, like, well, what what is good for public health? It's kind of a gray area. It changes, science changes. And actually, you know, back in that Supreme Court case, those vaccines were not very safe and they, <laughs> they had a lot mm-hmm. of problems. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a really tough call that maybe the government shouldn't be making yeah but then on the other hand as a christian as you just talked about taylor um i don't know that as christians we should go around living under the banner my body my choice right all the time right um i don't think that is the christian ethical response
1: right yeah that's a good point i mean yeah i think it leans against the the government mandate for you know 100 percent public participation in vaccination
0: right because the government can and has gotten it wrong
1: <laughs> <sighs> yeah this is one thing you can count on stinkers and thinkers
0: stinkers and thinkers You <laughs> okay i'll go first okay.
1: stinker is the <laughs> tweet about the halloween candy panics
0: what that's happening
1: Every year. every I mean, huh. it's someone, I, I just saw this picture from some news piece about, look at these candies. They're meant to look like oh. the candy you love, but it's actually weed. I thought you meant
0: like runs on the candy store and they're out of candy.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. It's like there's razor blades in the Snickers bar or uh, they're poison. Like I remember if, like th- fearing this as a kid, like getting candy from strangers. <laughs> And it just made me think, like, how, okay, this happens every single year, like, how many actual, does anyone do analysis in the back end, like, okay, how many kids had razor blends in their Snickers bar or whatever, <laughs> or got, T- is it THC oil?
0: Right, right.
1: Laced Skittles or whatever? I think I
0: saw a tweet that was like... <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna waste my precious weed on some kids
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. or like people are giving like this is like thousands of dollars worth of THC. <laughs> right. well, i'm not even getting full size candy bars which is a fraction of the price anyway just like this consistent panic and just like the overall thing with halloween like this fear around it when it's it's just a fun time to get everyone in the neighborhood and like meet people it's just maybe it's just like a fear of strangers thing that just bubbles up annually just, Boo. Yeah. I know. I know. Boo. Boo. <laughs> candy panics. <laughs> Go have fun. Go eat candy. Go get candy from your neighbors. Say hello.
0: Dress up. That, does this mean you're dressing up this year, Taylor?
1: I was not talking about dressing up. We are <laughs> talking about candy panics. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What's your stinker? <laughs> to
0: be discussed. Um, my stinker <sighs> I think it's the movie Isle of Dogs. Whoa. I know. I was Whoa. kind of on neutral Uh-oh. ground with Uh-oh. it. Uh-oh. I know a certain, certain listener listeners. friend <laughs> asked me to watch it and after
1: much deliberation.
0: Yes, I will say I think I felt about it the way I feel about most Wes Anderson movies. There were moments of beauty, moments of humor, moments of so much cleverness, but overall very boring. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say about that.
1: Wow. Wow. Brutal uh
0: <laughs> what's your thinker taylor my
1: thinker is a, a bible verse believe it or not mm. i know
0: <laughs> <laughs> classic
1: classic <laughs> but it like really stuck out to me this bible verse james three seventeen. uh but the wisdom from above is first of all pure so it's like how do you figure out hmm. is what's the word of god or not or what's you know wisdom from above so he lists all these characteristics first of all pure it's also peace loving gentle at all times willing to yield to others full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds it shows no favoritism and is always sincere but that willing to yield to others i've just been <gasps> It's just like i probably read it three or four days ago and it's just been like wow stuck and I, every when i talk to him i'm like did you know this <laughs> like willingness to, how just how weird that is like what does that mm-hmm. mean like wisdom from above and especially in a context of say a pastor or a leader or certainly like politics mm. you know someone who's maybe graced by or employing wisdom from above a willingness to yield to others
0: <laughs> that definitely isn't rewarded as wisdom in our current age
1: yeah and i looked at it like the word that translations have like slightly different but that willingness to yield to others is most common but compliant is <laughs> another wow um yeah it's like what would that look like in leadership or if you're maybe feel like you have wisdom from above or you're listening to someone who has wisdom from above Hmm. uh you're reading taking in anything is there that willingness to yield to others just so unique
0: yeah huh it's good my love um well my thinker feels really juvenile now (laughs) 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 talking about wisdom i've talked
1: about batman how many times
0: (laughs) true but Not that it's
1: Batman's Juvenile.
0: In comparison. Some would say,
1: <laughs> I think it's highbrow.
0: Mine is <laughs> the historical fiction book, as we've talked about, my favorite genre. Um, I kind of, in my reading lists and habits, I like read something nonfiction, and then I read my favorite historical fiction, and kind of have to switch off, or else I get burnt out.
1: It's a good pattern.
0: So, um, I'm reading next year in Havana and it is very good. It's kind of what I like about historical fiction is it gives you the kind of emotional side into the history that maybe, you know, and you think about all different. So I was thinking about all different sides of the revolution and Batista and Fidel and, um, they kind of have characters on all different sides and of course love stories and, you know, tragedies and all of that. So it, it is very good. It kind of has a modern day Cuba take, mm. and then you know during the revolution. So, I'm really enjoying it. I feel what's like what's it called? Uh, next year in Havana. I say that weird. I, I, don't know. I I'm going between Havana and Havana. Which which one is it? Are you if you're Cuban, do you say Havana?
1: I'm not Cuban.
0: <laughs> I should know this is a Floridian. Sorry to all the Cuban <laughs> listeners who are just greatly offended
1: write us send us a letter via the post tell us how to pronounce it Yep. (laughs) what was it called i'm gonna (laughs) say it again midnight in havana next year next year in havana havana anyway next week's episode we'll have a special guest
0: that's right we're bringing on the special guest
1: and who will hopefully tell us how to pronounce havana havana
0: (laughs) all right potato potato (laughs) see you next week
1: thanks for listening